Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Welcome to the Friday Habit. Going on, Mark? Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Today, we're here with Stimson Sneed. He's an award-winning director and writer with a passion for independent film, unexpected perspectives, and stories infused with themes of scientific discovery and education. He is a 10-year veteran of the indie scene, enthusiastic about sharing the art and storytelling of film with the world. Stimson, welcome to the Friday Habit. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, hey, um, uh, you know, I, I was. We were saying, you know, before we started recording, that I, I, you know, came across your your information, and uh, you know, Ben and I are huge uh, fan of uh, science fiction um, films, and he has a close friend that is an independent filmmaker, and uh, so we have a heart for the independent films, and uh, just thought, like, hey, it'd be great to have a, a conversation with him, with you about. Um, your story and your journey and to kind of hear the things that you're into. Um, and so I'm, I'm super stoked that you're here. We, we recently had Hugh Howie on the show and he uh, does the silo series uh, that Apple picked up and he yeah. uh, wrote the, the book series wool. And uh, that was just an awesome conversation uh, that we had with him. And um, so, yeah, so I'm excited to kind of hear kind of uh, your story and, and hear how you, uh, make money and run your business and, and do all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, where you're from and uh, kind of your journey to, uh, you know, getting into to making films. Well, I'm originally from the Seattle area, uh, born to two parents, as most people <laughs> are, <laughs> uh, who both happen to be actors, as most people okay. aren't. There's the twist. So I grew up. Exactly. So, so I grew up in the culture of stage storytelling when my dad was a radio DJ for years and a newscaster on the radio. And as a six year old, I would be in the recording booth with him while he was live, learning just to be really quiet, playing with my Ninja Turtles with my little brain <laughs> on mute. But I was always immersed in that culture from my earliest memories. My mom was a singer songwriter. She wrote over a dozen musicals, several of which were actually performed out on the East Coast. Uh, she song books. So I was immersed in that. And, and in true, you know, childhood rebellion ways, I had all this great access to theater. So I said, fuck theater, let's do film where I have no access at all. You know, yeah. Yeah, there's no inlet there, right? It's like, oh, radio, you know, theater. But you're like, ah, let's do something else where I can't get a leg up. <laughs> let's do something where I will never be a Nepo baby. <laughs> there you go. And I say that jealously. I'd love to be a Nepo baby. It would be great to be a Nepo baby. <laughs> If anybody, if any celebrities would like to adopt me, I may be pushing 40, but I'm open to well, it. I'm sure maybe uh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt might have uh, an extra room in their house. 
I'm very childish, so it would work. So with your with with your dad being in radio and your mom being in theater, like, did you grow up like a very creative person? As far as you know, when I was a kid, I remember I, I used to love radio, and I think that's one of the reasons why we I got into podcasting was because it allowed me to kind of be the DJ of my own life and 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 come up with stories and and it meet interesting people. But I remember as a kid, I had um, one of my best friends. We used to sit underneath his bunk bed and we had this little dictaphone and we would, you know, pull out the little mic that was attached to it and, and pretend like we were on the radio, like, Oh, it's a crazy day out there. Traffic's, you know, going nuts right now. Like watch out on I-25. And, you know, we, we would do that for hours and hours and, uh, just, you know, had a blast doing that. So do you think for you being around those things, did you instantly as a kid just kind of gravitate towards creative things? Like, were you putting on plays for your family on the weekends and Oh, yeah. yeah. I was doing puppet shows in my neighborhood. I was putting on puppet shows. But when you're kind of born into that culture, it's not something that I even consciously gravitated towards. It's just Mm, what you did. You were performing with your cousins. You were you were any chance in school you had to turn a report into a small scale (laughs) production. You would do that. And it was not all it was not even a conscious thing you would think about. Although I got to circle back to uh, your own love of radio as a kid there. I just make sure I'm following correctly. You loved radio so much, you decided to go into the industry that's killing it <laughs> with podcasting. Like, I love it and it must die. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, it, it was actually one of those things where doing radio was very unattainable. And I remember I was reading a popular science magazine like in 2004, 2005, and it was talking about RSS feeds and the iPod and all this other kind of stuff. And I was in the music industry, and so I kind of had a mic and a little mixer, and I, and I kind of figured out how to do podcasting back in 2005. And I started a show called Me and My Mom, and, uh, you know, just it allowed me who didn't know how to do radio or couldn't afford a ham radio or get a license or all these other kind of things. It allowed me to create the RSS feed and start doing it and putting it out there on iTunes, which, you know, was just a thrill well, 20 years ago almost. <laughs> That sounds great. Yeah, and also way ahead of the game. I tried to do a podcast myself back in the day, and I add it to the list of incredible failures <laughs> I've learned from. It's hard work. I admire it. It's definitely one of those things that's hard to do. And Ben, you know, uh, it's it's been awesome having Ben as a, a co-host and partner in all this because, you know, having somebody to encourage you and to pick up the slack where, you know, you need it and to kind of help each other out has really been um, the key to us having the show for as many years as we've had and just to kind of keep doing it and doing it and enjoying it and having a good time. So yeah, it's, it's yep. definitely not easy. Yeah, so we, de- we definitely called out three problems I did wrong for podcasting. <laughs> Didn't have any people to work with. Did not enjoy it. Wasn't good entertainment. Those are the big three to avoid. I'm going to remember yeah, that. Yeah, there you, go. you learned a lot. Sounds like you learned a lot. Exactly. Yeah. So are you are you still in um, in Washington or have you? Oh, no. Uh, yes okay. and no. Yes. Uh, so I spent several years living in Los Angeles. I've been in L.A. the better part of the last 10 years because this is where you got to go to learn stuff. But for the last couple of years, I re I re relocated back to Washington for um, just so I could work with a couple companies I like working with there, North by Northwest yeah. and several others. And right now, I technically have a Washington residence and a California residence because of how much work I'm doing back and forth. Right now, I'm sitting in the L.A. Okay. residence. Nice. nice. That's awesome. So, <laughs> All right. So you, you, you were involved in, in creative things growing up, 
both your parents were uh, a catalyst to you just doing those kind of things. At what point, whether I wanted yeah, to or not, so uh, <laughs> did you go to college? Like, did you do go the formal route? How dare you? The the formal route and uh, just decide like, all right, I'm going to try to get in school with. Um, uh, you know, famous people and network and do all these things? Or did you just kind of um, pick up there? I went the traditional route. So I went to a, a local college. It was a state school, but it had an incredibly reputable film department. So I am an Eastern Washington University alum, go Eeks, little school in the middle of nowhere in a town that exists solely for the function of supporting the school itself called Cheney and like the ex, like the okay, ex vice yeah. president. And out just on the outskirts of Spokane. But the weird thing was, like, in terms of, like, how your life can circle back yeah. in weird ways, the school itself was did not do a great job of getting me work placement, but I became very friendly with the local movie studio over at the town, spoke in the town of Spokane, North by Northwest. And 10 years after I've graduated, those are the guys where when it's time for me to direct a movie, a sh- whether it's a short and now even a feature, uh, they're the full production team that now works wow. for me yeah. when I'm out there. So it's a very strange full circle, especially given that I can literally on days when I'm not working on set, go have lunch at my college's cafeteria, <laughs> which I will, I will freely admit I have gone to be the creepy guy sitting there multiple times just for the nostalgia factor of it. But Pike days when I'm not on set. Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> to any students of Eastern listening, you ever see like just a weird bald headed guy sitting there and staring wistfully going, where did my friends go? <laughs> yeah, that's me. Sorry about that. <laughs> You're right to find me uncomfortable. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. So then when you were young, did you know exactly what you wanted to do? Were you one of those people that just had this idea of like, all right, I want to create films and this is what I'm going to go do? Or uh, did it take you a little while to kind of figure that part out and, and figure out how to do it? It really didn't. Like the, the first job I ever wanted as a kid was Penguin Explorer, which turned Doesn't out not to be well. a thing. Devastated me when I was seven. <laughs> Uh, but from that point on, it was basically movies. My whole life, I've loved movies. And I always knew I wanted to direct movies, not because I had any concept of what directing a movie actually was, but because I wanted to be the person who was pulling a whole story together. The idea of doing both script and visuals, getting to work with actors. And, you know, as a kid, I was in the mindset where I want to do every single role. And let me stress, as an adult, I don't want to do that anymore. Jesus Christ. But... I wanted to do everything. I wanted it all to be a piece of my own kind of personality. I think that's one of the reasons that when I'm not doing film, I gravitate towards comics and stuff like that, because minus the audio part, there's a lot of creative Mm -hmm. overlap. But I was always drawn to the personal attitude of I want I want this idea to exist on the screen. How do Mm -hmm. I do that? Uh, and, And so with that, did you gravitate towards directing or writing first? Uh, Directing first. Okay. Uh, writing, I've written most of my own stuff kind of out of necessity. I have occasionally directed for other people, but I, when I write, I really enjoy it, but it's not the main passion I'm there. Let me put this way. It's like, I'm happy to write a script, but I'm much happier to write an outline and then have somebody else write the script for me to go. All right. I want the story to be this, 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 and this, write that please. And also because I'm a writer myself, I am going to go back through when you're done and punch things up and do certain things to it. Right. So. I'm very happy to be collaborative on that front. Yeah. That makes sense too, especially when you, if there's somebody who you really love their writing style or, um, you know, the way that they do certain things, 
it's like everyone has their strong suits. Now there's, there is that rare case, right. Where you have really great writers and directors. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's even having a small business, right. It, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, how do I find someone to take over the financial books? Cause that is not my strong suit. I need someone else running the books. Well, I, I think of it this way. I mean, part of being a good director is you have to know how every other job works. You don't need to be the best at it, but you need to have an understanding of it that you can at least determine if somebody else isn't doing it properly and get things back on track. And I generally think the same thing applies to writing. I am a decent writer because it is my job to know how I would. I prefer to work with much better writers than me. But if I'm given a script to work on, I do have the ability to go through and go, okay, that's not right there. So I'm going to fix that. And just like with accounting, uh -huh. stuff like that, you have an accountant who's much better at numbers than you. But as the person running the company, there's still going to be the part where you go through and check right. their numbers to make sure it's all accurate. And I think a lot of that can apply to screenwriting as well. Yeah, no, it's so true. I think I heard a hundred screenwriters <laughs> screaming because I just compared writing to accounting. <laughs> I might get murdered by the end of this podcast. Just FYI. I said, what happened to Simpson? Well, he compared writers. Yeah, they're on strike right now. They're not busy. <laughs> yeah, right. we we just passed through L.A. on our trip, actually, and uh, we stayed at uh, a RV park there where there are a lot of permanent residents. A lot of them are writers, and the owner of the RV park said there's about 40, 40 writers there. They're all on strike right now. Have you had any personal experience yep. or any effects from the writer strike? Not so much beyond the fact that I'm rooting for my friends sure. because... First off, what the writers are asking for is correct. It is something they need. It is long over the due. The studios need to bend over and do the right thing. It doesn't really affect me personally, because even though I'm on the producer directing side, I'm not the folks who they're striking against. I'm down in the little indie film mm -hmm. scene, stuff like that. So half the time, the projects I'm doing are non-union. If they are union, I'm going to work around the union mm -hmm. schedule, not the other way around, because I am the one who is lucky to right. have them. Gotcha. So I would never schedule a shoot if I thought there was an upcoming strike or something mm. like that. So for me, I'm very much kind of on the outside looking in beyond the fact that I am rooting for them and I hope they get what they mm. need. Makes sense. So I hope it works. And the other one right now, I'm watching like a hawk is sag because that does mm. affect me. Mm. Gotcha. Yep. So even though I'm again, even though I'm not the studios like that sag would strike against if a sag goes on strike, I can't work with any sag actors mm. under sag contracts, right. even though right. I want to. And I was so, yeah, so that one I'm kind of watching like a hawk with the writers. Again, it impacts me less because typically I'm writing my own mm -hmm. stuff. So, I mean, what am I going to do? Strike right. against myself? <laughs> it's like, all right, all right, Stimson, give me more money. Okay. <laughs> Man, you're such a, a, a good boss. You're so willing to give more money. It's amazing. Yes. It's terrible on the casting front, though. I cast myself in my last feature and I, I'm going to admit right now, there was definitely a casting couch <laughs> situation. So. <laughs> That's where the nepotism comes in. You can cast yourself in anything you want. And a little <laughs> bit of narcissism. I mean, you gotta, it takes ego to look in the mirror at this face and say to yourself, you're my guy. <laughs> you're, the, you're the guy. You're my guy. Yeah, that's so funny. So then, so then after, so you, you I'm assuming in school, you kind of did the classic, you know, project films and did stuff with your friends, things like that. Oh yeah. At what point did you, after school, did you feel like, all right, I'm going to go all in and, and did you ever want to go all in and, and try to get a corporate kind of job or, or work for a corporate studio or whatever? You kind of went the indie route and, and have kind of been doing that. 
I went the indie route because no one offered me an alternative. Okay. Would be the best way of phrasing it. (laughs) I would be happy to sell out tomorrow. I would not have any qualms. Also, I'm a defender of Hollywood cinema. I like big movies. I like the stuff that's created. I also love the indie scene, and I'm glad that that's where I get to work right now, and I'm glad that I'm to the point that I have the ability to work within that and actually get to do quality stuff. But that's not the same thing. Marvel knocks on my door tomorrow. I ain't, I, I believe me, I'm opening that door. <laughs> yeah, sure. But straight out of college. So, I mean, there was never a point that I didn't want to go all in. I wanted to make movies and I wanted to make movies with a real budget. And I wanted this to be my job and nothing else to be my job. So straight out of, straight out of college, um, I was one of those many genius folks back in the 09 period who thought narrative focused web series was the next big thing. <laughs> Yep. Live and learn. But I went all in on that and made a 36 episode web series, which is not even available anymore. At the time, I think it may have been one of the largest ever attempted called The Adventures of Chadwick Periwinkle in Action Hero (laughs) with entirely CG environments, all hand drawn. Everything was green screen, big cast, nearly died multiple times trying to film it. And of course, unless your web series is called The Guild, narrative focused web series did not succeed i think the mm-hmm. missing key, I, I think the missing key was felicia day i think to succeed as a narrative <laughs> that's true series, you're required to have felicia day and if you don't have felicia day i mean what are you doing <laughs> yeah that makes sense <laughs> i mean legend of neil did great felicia day is in it mm-hmm. just saying <laughs> so what yep. okay so then so you jump into doing this thing oh, uh, how did you even think that you could do something like this? You know, like I, mean, I was an early 20 something <laughs> thinking, thinking and planning and foresight are not questions we should be asking here. <laughs> Just to stress, this was the ultimate flying by the seat of my rocket pants situation. And it did not end great. Yeah. <laughs> so. but, but it sounds like to me, I mean, cause I'm sure that you learned a ton doing that. Like, I'm, I'm sure the I skills did. that you gained prepared you for the thing that you did next. And friendships that last to this mm. day. Uh, so 15 years ago, and I still am close friends with a lot of the people I worked with on that show. Uh, and it also kind of brought me down to earth. So it was right after that. So that was my just shooting in Seattle right out of college. No planning, no forethought, just I'm genius. <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor summer child. And then I kind of came down to earth. And then the big step after that was, all right, go to LA and I'm going to start doing everything I can start learning on big projects. I made background my nine to five, just so that as a bill payer, rather than going to Starbucks, I could spend my time on the biggest budget sets in the world. And that was my nine to five for many years. And that sort of gradually wound down as I started doing a lot of DP work, started doing a little bit more PA work and kind of found that my niche, if I'm working for other people was as a director of photography, which by mm. to, which to this day makes me an absolute pain in the ass to my current director of photography to right. work with. You know, <laughs> you know, you know his job a little too well. well. Well, the good news is the folks I've been working with are frustratingly so much more talented than I ever was. The most recent DP I've been working with is a guy named Brian Gosling. He was the DP on the Tim Travers feature film and the last two shorts that I did. And it really frustrates the crap out of me that he is better on his worst day than I ever was on my best day. <laughs> highly annoying. But the good news as director is I get to take the credit for his work. So, you know, there you go. 
I can, good. I can make my peace with his talent. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's, that's, you know, that's, I was thinking too, you know, you were right about web series being the future. If you think about it, aren't Netflix TV shows web series technically? So I think you were just, you were just ahead of the game, just like with Pinecast. Exactly. I was. early. Exactly. And sci-fi comedy, Rick and Morty, it became a thing. I, I, I flew too close to the sun. <laughs> I saw the future and I burned in the sea. <laughs> it's a magnesium sea. That's what makes that chemically possible. <laughs> okay. So you, you're kind, you kind of have just pursued your passion. You stayed within the arena or industry that, that you love. You know, how financially, how have things been for you as far as like you, you made a living DPing and, and like doing I- independent stuff? <laughs> yeah, ish. I think it is very worth noting as part of uh, the focus of this podcast, as you guys described it, is kind of giving folks good business advice, work advice. I really want to acknowledge at the gate, I was not making a living. I was surviving. Mm-hmm. And a, a great quote about film is the people who succeed are the ones who keep showing up. And a lot of the success that I've been getting the last couple of years has honestly been out of a stubborn refusal to quit. But it is worth noting, and I just really want to set expectations realistically here. I spent 10 years being the least successful person I knew, Hmm. where all my friends from college were settling down, getting better jobs. I was the one still surviving month to month well into my early 30s. And it really wasn't until some unrelated stuff happened with film in which there were a few deaths in the family and I became a member of the board of an unrelated company that door started opening up to me and I was able to start funneling that back into film. But I had that 10 years of failure behind me at that point, but also connections and learning. So once the uh, avenues to success opened up to me, I was able to start immediately capitalizing. And I want to stress having the ability to talk to people with money and invest Mm -hmm. that money. It was a day and night difference. I got more done in one year of my career than I had done in the previous 12 years combined. Wow. Wow. And the sole, def- and the sole difference was I had the ability to talk to people with money and just mm. convince to do something with that money. And then because it made me money, I would have some of my own money, which I could then put into things. Right. And it created a feedback loop. So, I mean, that is the... God, I feel like I'm being Mr. Depressing now because people want to know how <laughs> no. they can make it. It's like, no, no. Find someone with money and take it. <laughs> no, I mean, this is super interesting and very helpful to you. I'm, I'm curious too, what uh, gave you that determination? Were you stubborn? Were you yes. scared to do nothing, to, like scared to, to fail? Were you, you know, like what was the feeling of like, what was, what made you stick it out? And I'm like, eh, well, it's not working. These Did love you it so read- much, you know, go ahead. Yes to kind of all of these, but okay. let's kind of go down the list. Did you ever okay. read that Berenstein Bear book where he keeps pushing the wheelbarrow Papa Bear does in what's clearly a swamp and he ends up losing the wheelbarrow because he didn't want to admit he is in too deep? Mm, yeah. And the moral of the story is that you're <laughs> supposed to realize when you're in too deep and step okay. back. I took the opposite moral and said, no, keep pushing the wheelbarrow, drain the swamp. God, not in the political sense. Fuck, that was, that was an awful choice of words. <laughs> awful choice of words. Push the wheelbarrow through and get it out the other side. So no, for me, it was pure stubbornness. And the, very, and the knowledge that from the times when I'd be working, how much I loved it. There's nothing else I want to do. And also the older I would get, 
the more abundantly clear it became how fundamentally unqualified I am to do literally anything else. <laughs> I mean, so you say you're stuck. <laughs> well, I, I would have this argument with family members for years. Like, wouldn't you feel better with like some sort of safer nine to five stuff like that? It's like, what nine to five would hire me? <laughs> I don't want to be an ass here, but I'm greedy. I like the fact that I don't get out of bed for less than a certain dollar value of things. And even at my poorest, I had that going because I was working as a DP. I like that about my life a lot. The kind of jobs that would even hire me at this point outside the film world would kind of suck. I mean, it'd be very much a would you like fries with that situation. So it, it's like there's not some alternate thing knocking on my door with offers here. And that's what I would say. I've carved out a niche for myself. It is what it is. All right. We're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to the FridayHabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. <laughs>